Our mission here is to inform and create discussion about racial disparities, social inequality, toxic masculinity, and other relatable social justice issues to impact at least one individual in the community by educating or creating the drive for change. Today, we have three guests, Josue, Leanne, and Ali. Would you all like to introduce yourselves? Hey everyone, my name is Jose Rosales. I am the president of the Mental Color Alliance, uh, a construction, ma construction management major. Hopefully everything goes well. I'm planning on owning my own business coming soon. Hi, uh, my name is Leanne Nostrella. I'm an English major. I'm also a junior. I'm a historian for the Disney Club here at UNLV. And one thing I want to share about myself is that I'm planning to get a master's in mental health counseling. Hey guys, my name is Aliyah Lozani. I am the social media coordinator for the Men of Color Alliance. I'm also the president of the UNLV football club here in UNLV. It's more like soccer, but we call it football because it's better sounding. Um, I uh, am a bio major. I'm going for pre-med and hopefully one day I can be a neurosurgeon. And I'm James Wright. I'm currently the indexer of the Men of Color Alliance and I'm a resident assistant and peer educator here at UNLV. So for our first topic today, we're going to have the state of UNLV. And with the state of UNLV, as all of us have heard, and saw the news, we have now finally have a brand new president of the university. <clears throat> so I wanted to see what all your thoughts are on this president. So, on our new president. So, whoever would like to start my own, start off. Leanne, you wanna go? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty awesome. I think it it definitely brings a, a new wave of thinking to UNLV. I think the fact that he has experience in the medical field is pretty great. Uh, I think um, you guys could also elaborate on that. But also the fact that he's one of the first ever black president at UNLV is also an amazing thing, especially with the movement going on right now. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I actually searched him out and um, well, first of all, he looks like he has a lot of experience in the field, like uh, forget anything else. Uh, he ha he's been in psychology and psychiatry, he's been at Wayne University, at Duke University. Um, he's pretty experienced and for him to be the first African-American president in like 63 years, that's like the best news anyone can hear because it finally brings change. You know, now anyone can have that position not only you know uh like a white man or a white woman now there's a black man maybe next time it will be a black woman or or you know uh, an asian woman someone else you know it, it opens doors to things that we want to see as people coming no com i completely agree with all of you guys uh go ahead james now you can continue um i'm very happy to see that dr keith Whitfield actually won and got the presidency and I completely agree because I feel like this opens the door to make it more open to other minorities to gain that position. And I'm I'm excited and hopeful that we'll be doing some more work with him, uh, with Mocha and stuff like that, and see maybe if we can get more participation and see what bigger things are up, up ahead for us. Yeah, I just want to see uh, what he's going to change because I remember President Martha... Um, she was pretty good before, but um, now, you know, after COVID and, you know, after all the things that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the riots, uh, I think uh, I think he's going to bring change, positive change to the community, hopefully after all the disasters that happened, I guess. I'm really excited for our new president, Goodfield. I believe he's going to create new programs and hopefully a new direction for UNOV itself. Hopefully... This will be a more of a permanent president because in the past of UNLV, we've had a very rocky leadership. And as we all know, with new leadership, there's always new change and new cabinets and new board members and everything was always a revolving door. Hopefully, we actually have a real motto instead of rebels make it happen or we are one of the number one diverse campuses. We have an actual model that drives not only staff, but also UNLV students itself to create change within the UNLV campus and help us all come together. As I feel like the UNLV community itself is fractured. 
we haven't had a president who has had the, the helm for this long or hopefully for a long time and lead us in the right direction for the UNLV campus. Here's the thing, right? So you said the community in like uh, the campus itself is fractured. It's divided into a lot of people. And um, at first glance, you might expect that to be normal, right? Because we're the most diverse campus, we have people from all around the world. But in reality, it should be the opposite. Because of this difference, you'd assume that people would be together, you know, to learn about each other's differences. But no, actually, it's pretty separated and every group encloses to itself so that they don't have to, you know, mingle with other groups. And uh, I think with, you know, Dr. Whitfield being the president, maybe uh, new actions can ch help change that, you know, new events, new things that, you know, might trigger that diversity into actually working together rather than everyone being separated, which is hopefully something I'm hoping for, you know? I think that's true. I think it's also important to mention that you can you can vouch for diversity and um, resources for people of color, but it's definitely a whole different perspective when you actually are a person of color. So you can you can preach all day about someone's struggles and try to make resources for it, but it's just an absolutely different perspective when you actually are affected by the community, everything like that. So I definitely think it's a step in the right direction, and it'll, it'll definitely set a precedent for UNLV. As I stated before one of the previous podcasts, having faculty or staff or anyone in a position of power or political figure in itself be has a person of color in it allows that demographic to feel like it's possible for them to succeed. And having Dr. Whitfield, now President Whitfield, at the helm allows a lot of the minority community to see that it is possible to reach those heights. And I feel like it's going to create a lot of drive and passion within the UNOVI community. I know in the Men of Color Alliance, it's already been creating a spur of, wow, this is amazing. There's new opportunities that we can do. Hopefully, we can create new partnerships, programs, things for the UNOVI demographic. And I'm really excited for the future. I, th I think it's also important that, um, like mentioning that the fact that you're mentioning representation, it's also a big thing that he's representing his background. Like the medical field is such a, like, it's such a hard field to get into when you're a person of color. And the fact that he went to one of the most prestigious schools nationwide, like Duke University, that's, that just sets, that just sets the standard there. And it just represents where he came from and that the fact that a person of color can do the same thing a white man can do. I mean, true, as a person of color myself, um, you, you're actually proud of the people that actually make it here in the United States that are people of color and make it in the medical field or fields that are advanced. And having Dr. Keith as our president, it's more of like a, a movement, right? It's more of like... A, hey guys i'm your president now i've been through it and i can help you out like i can change i can help make change and i can i can show you how it can be uh rather than you know how it is fractured these days how everyone is separated and although the virus didn't help out with this fracture but you know we we don't know what the future is going to hold of course with like the university with the virus and all but i i am positive that he is going to change the you know the environment itself i think it's going to be more appealing to people of color because we do make up most of the students uh, most students are minorities they're people of color and um and it's like we're in control but we're not in control you know what i mean oh yeah and even then like most of most of us have have the dreams of going higher and everything so i completely agree now that we actually have someone up there that is like a clear representation of how minorities can succeed and do like just very well for themselves that's an amazing thing and now that we have that and we can actually we can actually strive to that goal of being the most diverse campus because that title was it left you know so hopefully we can finally actually have that title again I really hope that just because we do preach diversity every single day, that 
we can now understand that diversity doesn't just mean diversity it also has to mean inclusion we can by diver we can be very diverse but if we don't have inclusion inclusivity for each of every single culture then no one understands what diversity means we have to celebrate all our cultures background where we were born how we interact with each other it has to be celebrated we just can't preach diversity is number one and i believe that's why they changed it because a lot of the people of color realized that a lot of us were left out there were no programs for for being a minority serving institution but we didn't see it on campus the only thing that we really had going for us was student organizations but only they can do so much sdsj student diversity and social justice could only do so much in its own capacity hopefully now with our new president we can have programs for the arabic community the latino community the hispanic com hispanic community the philippine ex community we can have these programs that we can benefit from what are some programs that you guys y'all would like to see so um i uh, i was living back home so back home i was living in the middle east in jordan specifically so um when i finished high school there and uh, since i am half american kind of i always wanted to study here in america so i had many options but for some reason you know the west coast and las vegas kind of caught my eye with the whole you know the skyline the the strip the lights you know it catches anyone's eyes so when you see unlv and it's always advertised as if uh the most diverse campus one of the most diverse campuses you know we have people from everywhere uh, it's comforting for yourself, right? You think, okay, maybe now when I go, I can see more people from my community that can help me out there, or maybe from other communities that I can, you know, better understand or have moments to share with or, you know, learn new things from them. So when I came here, I realized that, well, yes, we are diverse. There is a lot of diversity, but it wasn't the kind that like you said that's inclusive it's not that people are are together and and doing things together and that minorities and people of color are are treated the same way as for example white people no it's not it's it's different it's more like the minorities are sticking together the white people are sticking together you know there's a lot of groups there's a lot of separation and I immediately thought, I was like, wait, I thought it was the most diverse campus. I thought, you know, people would be accepted here, but it wasn't the case. So, yeah, when you say, like, inclusive should be uh, something to learn, yeah, it should be. Because um, it's it's not fair for people that are coming into UNLV and reading all the diversity comments and all these sentences about how it's diverse and then coming here and realizing it's something that it's not you know yeah I, I definitely think it's way easier for the university to say yeah this is diverse but it's it's even harder for them to actually implement these things like um for example i would definitely love to see more like middle eastern at least like an arabic class like i was trying to find an arabic class for so long just to, just because you know sometimes i think it would be nice to have an easy a but um, like just trying to find one Arabic class, like the fact that I would even have to consider CSN and not even see a class there, or maybe like drive halfway across the country to find one Arabic class over there. It's just, it's just bizarre to me. Like when we preach about diversity, but we don't even show it in our own classes. I think it's cool that we have, we have classes like, um, as an English major, I, I take classes like Native American literature. And um, there's also Spanish lit, but it's does it really extend beyond that? Which I would I would definitely like to see change, especially with events that we we put on in UNLV as well. So yeah, Leanne, that's funny. I'm an honors student, and we are required uh, like 12 hours of language. So I thought, hey, maybe I'll take Arabic. You know, I'm already familiar. It is my first language after all, and and you know, um, it is an easy A for me. So I went there and there are not a single Arabic class. Um, there's Spanish, there's uh, French, there's German, there's Chinese, but there's no Arabic. And uh, I had to sign up with CSN to take Arabic classes because that's the only thing I could do. And uh, there's not a single Arabic speaking professor on campus too, which is uh, not a lot for diversity, if you know what I mean. Like where, where's the inclusion? 
you know, you got to make the students feel like they're welcome, right? Even if uh, it doesn't matter, even if the students are going to speak English all the time at UNLV, but you need to at least have someone there that understands their language and understands their backgrounds and roots for them to communicate with them officially, you know, professionally. But, you know, letting the students from foreign countries and all these places in the world, just leaving them in this community without any proper support and structure for their original communities, it's, it's wrong. It's, uh, it's as if you're letting them know, okay, we got you in, now it's on you to, to, to find harmony and, and purpose. Now it's on you to like find out things about us, but we're not going to help you out, you know? And it's, I found it funny because there's a lot of people from everywhere around the world at UNLV. There are people from way out there in Asia, people from the Middle East, people from Europe, people from South America, but not a single professional official thing from the university that helps them out from their original countries, you know? I cannot I agree with more. I'm so sorry, Leon. Do you want to go first? Uh, I was just going to add on to the whole, like, um, with the Arabic teaching and, and things like that. Also, from an academic standpoint, having someone else who's not actually from, like, the Middle East teaching you Arabic, who's, like, a, a white teacher or something like that, also says another thing. And it also just, it just, it it deteriorates your own academic thinking, like, me speaking and, and teaching Arabic is going to be different from someone who who's never been in an Arabic community, who doesn't know slang, who doesn't know dialects, trying to teach from textbooks. It's just it's just completely different. You want you want someone who represents the community, someone who's been around Arabic speakers their whole life, someone who can tell you, oh, this this word sounds different because they're from this place and they typically speak with this dialect. It's just it's just completely different. That's that's why it's so important to have represent representation everywhere, no matter whether it's it's an academic or whether it's more political. It's just important. Period. True. You feel like they're pushing it on you. It's not like you're learning Arabic. It's as if you're forced to learn Arabic. Uh, and as an Arabic speaker, if you're sitting down there in like one of these lectures, you'll realize that oh my god, this is this is like nonsense. Like what is he saying? Like. Uh, did you actually visit an Arabic-speaking country? Did you actually like learn the roots of where this language came from? You start um, doubting the the professor and and the university, but unfortunately, we don't even know that because there's not a single Arabic-speaking professor at UNLV. So, like, they're not even. It's not even like we don't have people from Arabic countries. No, we don't have people from anywhere that speak Arabic, and that's concerning. That's that's wrong. You know. I completely agree. It's to the point where you continue to go to UNOV and you ask, why are you even here? You came here for a specific reason because it's preached diversity. You wanted to see people who are your, as of your own. And you were excited to be here, meet other new people, meet new cultures, meet your own culture. And you come here and you're completely let down. I, com I remember back then when one of the meetings with higher faculty that it was brought up to the attention that majority of the faculty was white. And they didn't understand why it mattered so much that the faculty was white and why it was a problem. That diversity wasn't, if you're going to preach a diversity, why is our faculty not diverse? I didn't understand why that was an issue. And because of reasons like the, what you all are saying, hopefully it can get to our faculty and hopefully make them understand so this change does happen. And I feel like with Dr. Whitfield, we can finally have this change. We can actually start fa having more faculty that is diverse, more faculty that is from countries that speak Arabic, is from like all over the world rather than just white faculty that teach all the different ranges of subjects, but none of them can actually speak of experience that they've had in those countries or in those roles or in those, or with those languages and stuff like that. So yeah, I completely agree with all you guys, and I and I can't relate because Spanish is like everywhere, and there's everybody teaching it. So, but I understand that it's difficult and it's it's disheartening to be seeing and be preached to about diversity when you cannot really see the diversity when it's not 
for you then, if, if that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. When I first came here, I came from Florida, where it was predominantly white. And I came here and hoping to find like a Philippine student organization for myself. And there was none. But I created, I helped create one with people who are really interested in helping the Philippine X community here. And we made one and then there was a Philippine X class. And it just kept on cascading and making more Philippine X events. And now the community here, the Filipino community is growing. And hopefully we can have more of this for other cultures. And hopefully it starts a cascading effect of more inclusivity for each culture of its own. Yeah, uh, James, um, one thing you mentioned before was um, when you saw like the faculty was dominantly white and, you, uh, and they asked, why does it matter? Well, what they don't understand is sometimes when you are a minority and you are a person of color and you're a person that is foreign to this community and um, you see familiar faces, you feel comfortable. You feel like somebody there understands you. You feel that somebody there will listen to you and actually share your thoughts because they've been through the same thing. If it is dominantly white, you they will never truly 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 understand what you're going through or truly truly understand what you want yes they might you know they might reach a point where it's near what you want or like you know they have empathy they understand but it's never really the same thing when there's someone that you know um i'm sorry and there's someone that you know represents you in these events or these meetings so uh yeah hopefully dr whitfield can change that and you know change up the faculty you know also change up the students like uh back home nobody knows about unlv okay they know about other universities in america like uh usf from university of south florida or you know the iv leagues or the um you know the new york state or sunny or nyu you know they know about these but they don't know about unlv Yet UNLV is more diverse. Why is that? You know, why isn't there a lot of people from Arabic speaking countries or, you know, people from the Middle East or people from, uh, you know, Asia that come here? It's it's just it's not I don't want to say advertised. Well, nobody knows about it. And if it is truly diverse, everyone would know about it. I think word of mouth really plays a key factor. If you look into UNLV's graduation rates, I feel like a lot of people transfer out of UNLV once they're here for a few years. And they might finish another degree at a more prestigious university or university that they want to experience. Because they thought UNLV was the one. However, continuing to be here, they realize it's not the one at all. You feel a lot of left out, especially. Especially since we're a commuter um, campus. A lot of people are not connected to UNLV. A lot of people don't go to any of the student organizations. That problem of being a commuter campus and not everyone not enjoying coming here and spreading through word of mouth that, hey, this place is really diverse and you'll find programs for you. You'll find scholarships for you. They will help you out. Since you're a minority, we understand that minorities go through a lot of struggles and we have the resources specifically tailored for your community. That doesn't happen. We get extra money, but... We don't see it on campus. A lot of people don't know for the Asian American community, there's our scholarships for them, but you really have to find it. You really have to search through it. And there's probably scholarships for other races here and other ethnic groups, but they don't advertise it. They only advertise it that diverse. They're only here to reel you in. And that's exactly. really disheartening. You don't have to search for it. You have to know that it's already there. You have to know that when you're first coming here, that there are options for you. There are solutions for you especially because you're a minority, you know, you're a person of color, and you do go through stuff that, you know, uh, possibly white people don't go through. And um, and no, they don't understand that. The advertisement is not there. And that needs to change, I think. That needs to change. Yeah, I think coming back to the whole staff representation thing and how it's important to actually represent and reflect a diverse staff is honestly one of the main reasons because they're going to be way more passionate about spreading diversity than than their white counterpart they're they're definitely gonna put in their soul to represent their own community which i think is one of the biggest ideas of putting someone on the staff that represents community maybe then we can see more of that community reflected in our school and instead of like 
it kind of feels half-hearted to put it out there that, oh, this is diverse and you're going to love it here. But when you're a commuter, like James said, there's not really community to be found in UNLV. When there's no diversity there, what are you coming for? You're coming for a half-hearted slogan that, that brings in more students, but and it, it brings in more financial goals, like more minority, like cashing in for the minority, but it doesn't bring in a community. Yeah, there's, uh, I think, another thing that um, completely, like, kills this idea of diversity, kills the idea in a way where one group is um, favored than others. Uh, for example, I'm Muslim myself, right? And a lot of universities in America do have mosques. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of universities do have very big uh, Muslim groups, for example, that, you know, uh, when it's Ramadan, when we have to fast and, and, and go through all that away from our families back home, they stick together. They're a family themselves. Here, you don't see that. Why aren't there mosques at UNLV? Why aren't there synagogues for Jewish people? You know, there is a church, but you don't see any other uh, religion being represented on campus. Um, and that is something like I want to understand. So... Um, you know, because uh, I'm Muslim, which means like my religion is Islam. Um, my religion is Islam. So I, I pretty much, uh, you know, my way of life is typically due to this religion. Uh, some people are Christian. Some people are Jewish. Uh, I'm also Arabic, which means I come from an Arabic speaking country, Arabic roots. So we talked about how we want more Arabic representation more like Arabic speaking people and Arabic events, but we didn't talk about how we want even more Islamic events, you know, because Islam is a religion, uh, but being Arabic, you can be any religion. You can be Arabic and be Jewish. You can be Arabic and be Christian. That's a race. And if you look at UNLV, it doesn't serve the race of being Arabic and it doesn't serve the religion of being Muslim. So why is it that diverse? You know, it is not. And, and, I, uh, there is a Muslim community here at UNLV, but it's really small and nobody knows about it and they rarely have any events. And, and what about the new people coming from all the Middle Eastern countries? Don't they deserve a bigger community for them just to feel a little bit more comfortable around? You know, they're being, they're away from their families. They're left alone. They probably live on campus like me. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you, you want to eat. Middle Eastern food, Arabic food, you know, Islamic food. And you don't find that because you don't have a community to support you. And that's wrong, I think. That's really wrong. It's definitely wrong, especially uh, for people that live on housing. We have this place called the Dining Commons, and they do offer cultural food. I bet it's really not researched at all. For example, if you take adobo, which is you can out, you can out, say it's a spanish food or a filipino food however they don't use either ingredients from either culture it's just a watered down version and they try to celebrate here at the dining commons different cultures but it's really lackluster it's fair it's like a faint attempt at trying to represent the community and even more so i feel like islamic people and arabic people are really misrepresented or even like bashed upon with islamophobia because i feel like it's really rampant here on campus and since Many don't feel open to explaining their where they're from. I was born in Saudi Arabia. I don't try to tell people normally where I'm from unless I meet someone who was also from the Middle East. I'm perfectly comfortable explaining the roots, the culture, the food, and learning from them. But if I try to meet a new white person, I feel like there could be backlash. And there's a lot of disconnect and a lot of being scared, in my opinion, because I feel like the UNLV faculty is not there for us UNLV is not there for minorities um uh, Leanne you want to go or oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna mention um so like Ali mentioned earlier about having mosques around us because we see so many churches around us I would think um I don't know if you guys have noticed it but there's a breastfeeding room in the student union for mothers I would think even just putting a prayer room because yeah. there are six prayers a day um, I'm sure there are definitely some sometimes where you're there and 
at class and you have to make a prayer like uh, for Duhur, which is the early afternoon prayer, and you can't go anywhere. Uh, maybe the bathroom can be a safe place, but that's not that's not respectful. That's ugh. that's not respectable. That's not appropriate. It it's not a safe space for you. Even having a small little prayer room would include so much. Like it just would be in the right direction. It would include just a safe space for someone to have and partake in in their religious activities. And I don't know why they wouldn't just go ahead and go through with that small little idea of inclusion. Yeah. Um, okay. Two points here, right? So James, you mentioned how you don't openly tell people you're originally from Saudi Arabia. I completely understand that. When I, uh, I am actually half American. So when I came here, I don't really look Arab. Uh, I might look a little bit Arab, but you know, people don't know that. They, they speak to you as if they don't know you. And I try to hide the fact that I'm Arab. I try to hide the fact that I'm Muslim because once you tell them the funny looks start, the, uh, this uncomfortable, tension starts to arise uh you realize people are a bit afraid of you and you're afraid of them because because you know maybe because you don't understand each other maybe because you know there's a, a falsified cloud between you guys right and and that's why i tend not to tell people unless you know i find someone similar to me and i start you know sharing these things and i feel I feel just so comfortable being able to let go of the guard, you know, let it down and, and, and just, you know, be myself. But most of the times, I'm not myself. Most of the times, I'm just this American college kid, you know. This, I was a freshman last year, so I'm this American freshman, you know, hanging out, doing all these things that regular people do or regular people that are here, right? But once I start letting my guard down and, and showing people where I'm from... And start talking about it because you know it's just natural for me because I've lived there all my life and all you all you want is somebody to understand you, but once that happens, oh my god, it's different. There's tension. There's this this uncomfortable thing that I just you know. So I tend to hide it, and that sucks. Being able to not being able to represent your true self is one of the worst things anybody can go through, and. I've seen it with a lot of people and, you know, just hiding their true selves from others because they're so afraid or they're so uncomfortable what other people might think about them. That is something that is wrong. And the other thing that Leon said, a prayer room, you know, a lot of places don't have mosques, but it's not about a mosque. It's about somewhere where you can just isolate yourself from the noises when you pray. Uh, how many rooms do we have at UNLV? We have so many rooms. We have so many classes. We have so many things. Some are not used. Some are used. Just open a small one, you know? Fits for 10 people or 20 people. They can just, you know, pray for five minutes when the time comes and just leave. It's I, I don't understand, like, why there is not someone up there who can represent us as Arabs and represent us as Muslims. Um to understand our needs just as the needs of so many other groups, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. It's bad that we have to talk about that. It shows that there's an issue on campus, and there's only one prayer space, I believe, on campus that I know of, which SDSJ offers, and that's the interfaith space. However, that only fits one person, and there are thousands of people that would need a prayer room. And SDSJ tries its best but it's not from UNLV itself. UNLV needs to do something because one department can only do so much. If UNLV actually represented its community and made a prayer room, an interfaith room for its community, then maybe we feel more connected because we feel disconnected. We feel alone. We feel left out. It's hard to find groups where you feel accepted. And just imagine our mental toll on, my, on any minority where they don't feel accepted. They're going to the school that doesn't appreciate them, that doesn't give them the things they need. Going here every single day, day in and day out, not feeling appreciated for who you are, not being feeling appreciated to talk about your own culture because you're afraid to speak of it. And I don't understand why UNLV doesn't understand that. And hopefully this changes. And you know, uh, what sucks is that um, 
sometimes you hide your true self, right? And people will just see, you know, the the other half of you, the one that, you know, that kind of resonates with them and the one that they accept. And they don't think there's a problem. They think you're all okay. They think you're good, you know? Oh no, he just partied with us yesterday or he just went out with us yesterday. But you don't know that I, in order for me to do that, I must hide a part of myself that you cannot accept. And that shouldn't be the case. And I think better representation up there will help that. Why does it have to be the students who create all these groups and all these communities? Why can't it be the university? You mentioned when you first came here, you started, you know, talking to other Filipino people to, to you know, create this uh, group for yourself so that you can, you know, resonate with each other. But why didn't the university think of that before? Why couldn't they have that already for you for when you first come here? That is what needs to change. We can't be students uh, going for our degrees and, you know, going through all of this and think of other stuff for us to be available the university has to make it available for us before we even come and that has to change yeah i wanted to talk about the whole thing with hiding the identity because the whole time i was like yes this is so true i i have white privilege because my skin color is white even though my culture isn't and the fact that i can like i never was raised on hijabs because my mom came from jordan and when she started speaking with her accent and her hijab they gave people more ammo to use against her i never got the question where are you from oh, okay but really where are you from i never got that question and the fact that i have a white skin tone and my accent like it doesn't show i'm american um, just it it's so much easier to hide your identity and it's so much easier to not mention your religion it's so much easier to not really show like what culture you came from like where what you spent your whole life like like the environment you, your whole life in and it's just it's just because the university doesn't really give you the safe space for that it's not just the students it's it's the university like seeing a prayer room that specifically UNLV made for you. Like, UNLV is supposed to be your advocate. Every every time they preach diversity, they should also be preaching for you. They should be advocating for you. That way you can put on a hijab. That way you can, you can talk about the needs that need to go on in university, about the, the prayer room, about, oh yeah, I have to leave right now. I have to go do my duhur, my, my early afternoon prayer, or, oh, I'm fasting right now. Like the concept of fasting is also really hard to grasp for some people. Like it's not just a diet, it's a religion, it's a religious thing. Yeah, anyway, it's just, it's not just one little thing. It's, it's one thing that can start a movement within the community that the community also has to try and reach for. And it shouldn't just be the students trying to do it. It should be the university itself. True. I just, I don't understand how hard it is to find someone who understands these things. You know, it doesn't even have to be a large group of people. Just one person gives them the authority to make change on campus for specific minority groups, for specific, you know, groups of people that come from all over the world. And it won't cost much. The university uh, generates millions of dollars, millions, millions of dollars. Like it, it's not a... Uh, it's not this it's it's not financial right this problem is more psychological it's more like mentally they are not putting in the work for this change to happen and this is where we need to ask why why after you know here's me here's leanne and i'm pretty sure there are hundreds of people that i met on campus that have the same view as i do why aren't our voices heard right where can we go you are not offering us any place to go to speak our minds. Why is that? You know, as a university, as a large university, at least you have to like make people feel accepted. But that's not the case with UNLV. And unfortunately, that's not the case with a lot of universities here in America. It's it's tough. But those that actually do make change and those that actually accept other people, those are the ones that, you know, generate the best people because these are people that are well educated and they know everything about everyone. So that's how we grow as people, when we start to learn about each others and start accept each others, rather than, you know, try to neglect the fact that there is no problem when there is, you know, even when I'm too afraid to speak up, sometimes it's because I don't feel safe.
I feel dangerous. I feel like uh, if I do say something, I'm going to lose a lot of people. I'm going to lose a lot of my comfortableness, you know, around people and comfortability, sorry, around other people. And, and that's bad. I can't, I don't have to feel that, you know, but it needs to change. I hope Dr. Keith can, can look at all different groups of minorities and, and appoint, you know, delegates from every single group so that everyone's voices is heard. Every single person on campus. I and I feel like nobody should have to feel like that. Nobody should have to feel like it's like you're in danger to just be yourself and stuff like that. And I apologize for for ever for anyone that ever feels like that. And like I haven't ever felt like that because I've always grown up here in America. The closest thing that I've ever felt like that is just hiding the fact that I'm Salvadorian because everyone just associates all Hispanics to just Mexican. And that's not at all, like, as, as sim it's similar to your situation, but it's not at all the same. But it's, the world's, it, I'm, the world sucks right now. And I'm hoping that from this, this change, we're going to go up high. We're going to go up way more than we are now. And that everybody can feel safe being who they are and can feel like they can they can easily represent themselves they can re easily represent their religion their culture their race and everything like that and not be judged by it and our, with our work here at men of color alliance and the women of color coalition where we're trying to bring everyone together these are housing-led organizations trying to bring the community together, trying to communicate with higher faculty our issues of every single minority that we have. We want to reach to the community. We want to be together. We want to learn from each other, experience new things, and hopefully make people comfortable with who they are. Because if you're not comfortable with who, they are, who you are, it's you're always feeling you're living a fake life. You're never feeling true to yourself. You're never going to do your best in your grades which maybe contributes to the graduation rate here at UNLV and why it's so low. People don't feel like their true self. And since they preach diversity so much and they've changed the motto, but it's not going to change the fact that they drilled it into the current mindset of majority of the college students here. They've done it, but now they have to do something about it. And hopefully we can do something about it. So that for future people that come to UNLV, they don't feel like they have to hide themselves, that we celebrate so much culture and diversity and inclusion that people feel so happy that people around the world come to us to experience new things and share the love between all of us. Hopefully we can be there one day. I definitely think what UNLV could do is, is including more classes that kind of debunk these stereotypes about other people. Like Josue said about, like, assuming that all Hispanics are Mexicans or, or like, eliminating the harmful questions like, where are you from? Oh, wait, where are you really from? Or when I tell people, oh, yeah, my parents are Jordanian, Palestinian. I'm, like, a first-generation American. And they're like, oh, wait, but uh, aren't Middle Easterns, like, not white? And I know that question is well-intentioned, but those questions can be seriously harmful and it can stop you from putting yourself out there. And just like having a class or having that prayer room could, could do so much for the community. I remember, I think the most I've ever gotten out of, out of the education system that taught me about other people was in middle school, actually, where we learned about other religions, but through a really close-minded perception. I remember... I remember learning about Islam, uh, the religion, and that that Muslims were homophobic. And the and the teacher, like a student, asked that question, and the teacher just went along with it. And I I felt uncomfortable, and I felt like I wanted to speak up, but it wasn't a safe space for me. And I feel like just having someone that's not in that community speak for speak for you, speak for your own voice is, is just detrimental. Saying that someone else can use your voice and you can't, you can't speak up and be heard yourself. 
Yeah, what sucks the most, Leanne, is that most of the times you don't show your culture. You don't show your true personality, the person you were for the past 17 years, right? You show this other personality, right? It's not bad. It's all good, but they don't really see your true self. And so when a problem occurs and you try to speak up, you can't because all these people are used to is that personality you show them. And they don't understand that that personality you showed them is not the real personality that you have inside, right? It, it's lacking a lot of things from your past life. It's lacking a lot of um, self-identity that they just don't know and don't understand. And that is bad, right? You, cannot, you can't have people speaking about other groups of people when they're not part of that group, right? You can't just sit there and listen to people talk about your race, listen to people talk about your religion, listen to people talk about your country when they're not from it, when they haven't visited it, when they don't know anything about it. And you know, and every time you feel like you want to speak up and you want to show them that they're wrong and prove to them, maybe show them photos and maybe, you know, tell them good things. You can't because it's not a safe environment because, you know, once you do, you will lose a lot of, uh, you will gain a lot of tension between everyone. And that shouldn't be the case. And us as student leaders and our upcoming student leaders and student leaders and part of MOCA or just being students, we have that power to change. The university serves us and we don't serve the university. So they need to realize the, the facts of the matter is that we are the, we are trying to express our voices for change and we need this change to happen because we need to be represented more clearly you know it's the time for you for you know, to only care about money rather than its students is over and i as i hope with working with dr whitfield hopefully mocha can help uh, jumpstart these changes with woke and all the other orgs on campus mocha as its whole it started just to make that, give that voice to the minorities. Because we don't usually have that voice. So we wanted to help kind of preach to the faculty to, to make them realize that there's these issues. And I completely agree with Ali that people that aren't from that culture cannot be speaking of those cultural issues. But I want to use all of our issues and all of our cultures to express it to those cultures. That's why MOCA is so diverse, and that's why the school is so diverse. I want to keep growing MOCA and keep growing woke to hopefully actually help defeat these problems in our society. Hence why I joined the Men of Color Alliance, because at first, I didn't think I was a person of color, right? Uh, I have a typically light skin tone, right? And uh, usually what you think about is that you're not a person of color, you know, you're Middle Eastern, uh, you don't look Arabic, right? You're half and half, and you just don't understand yourself in this community. You don't know where to put yourself, right? You're not white, white. You're not black, black. You're not brown, brown. You, you don't know yourself. And so when I was approached by you and James, I remember, and, and James mentioned that, well, people of color are from everywhere. Like, people of color are those that are minorities and feel that they don't belong anywhere in this community and hence why i joined and i felt that was the closest thing i have to my home i think that was the closest thing uh the close uh what's the word i felt that every member in the men of color alliance would at least understand me in a way that the rest of the community can't you know at least resonate with people at least feel comfortable with me, right? And that was the case. I did feel comfortable and they were comfortable with me. And and that grew into something more. It grew into like friendships, it grew into other things. And that's what I hope to see across the whole community, all of campus, right? It shouldn't be just in one group. Maybe it can start in one group, but it should grow into the whole community. All campus has to be like that. Uh, I definitely think the whole thing about about identity and not really finding yourself between the community, especially with, with the whole person of color struggle, is also because we're in America, and America is a melting pot. And, and even from our own communities, I've heard 
people like from the black community that have been told, oh yeah, you're not black enough. I know like from my personal experience, um, my grandpa, he's from uh, Palestine and he would tell me because he knows I'm American that I'm not, I'm not a Middle Eastern. I, w I wasn't born in Jordan. I don't know everything. But it's, it's funny because when you actually tell other people, oh yeah, I'm from, I'm from, or my parents are from this, so my culture is this, I believe in this, it creates like this desperate, or I mean, this whole convolution between the two. And then if they start asking you questions like, oh, are you really this? Or do you really believe in this? And what, what the heck is an arranged marriage? Can you explain that to me? Um, you kind of disconnect yourself from your culture it's really hard to like explain these terms and then you start questioning yourself like do I really really believe in this stuff when when the environment you grew up in and maybe the community that's attacking itself that you grew up in like where it all melts together and you don't really find a safe space in your own school so it's these things can just topple on each other and and I'm sure it like mentally affects a lot of the p people of color at our at our school yeah it puts you in a place where you can't find yourself. If this group tells you you're not from here and the other group starts questioning it, you just start asking, okay, where where do I belong, right? Where do I belong? Where do I go? And um, yeah, it has to change on campus. Hopefully with Dr. Whitfield, it will change. Hopefully they bring like the proper positions and they change the whole dynamic of the authorities and they start creating change because we can't do anything when we keep talking they have to have actions they have to make change possible and hopefully with the things that we've discussed here with the listener currently listening whether it may be student faculty or staff all of us here right now are trying to create a change we're trying to do something hopefully we can have interfaith spaces we can have spaces where we can be ourselves be who we are and have diversity mean inclusion here at UNLV, that people want to be here, that people want to study and also understand from a faculty that's diverse, that we have faculty that we can trust and talk to, that we can have spaces that we can go to, that we can have organizations that we can go to, resources to help our community. And hopefully, whoever's listening, we can try to make that change because we're here now and we're here to create change. I want to thank everyone that will be listening to this podcast and everyone here now. And thank you for your time. We're signing off. I'm James Wright. I'm Leanne Nostrola. I'm Jose Rosales. And I'm Ali Lozani. And my microphone was muted. And I'm really sorry. <laughs> thank you for joining us.